They are highly trained, well equipped, and they are coming to your door. They are about to tell you and your neighbors that you've been believing in the wrong God and the wrong Jesus. They are the Jehovah's Witnesses, and perhaps it is they who are wrong. How would you answer our Jehovah's Witnesses friend? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zugarin. Dr. Zugarin is an expert on world religions, religious cults, and is a popular author and speaker on these topics. Today, he analyzes the Jehovah's Witnesses, and we encourage you not to close the door on the Jehovah's Witnesses, but to offer them good biblical information that could change their lives and get them on the road away from this destructive cult. And we have resources on our website that will help you do just that. Evidenceandanswers.org. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, past shows that you can download, books, articles, interviews with experts, and more. So go now to evidenceandanswers.org. And now here's Pat Zucharin with part one of Witnessing to the Witnesses of Jehovah. You know, it was years ago in college, about my second year of college, I was at a Christian college there in San Diego, and I was majoring in religion. Uh, Bible was my area of concentration and I was going to a wonderful Baptist church out there in San Diego and one of the guys in charge uh, of the college students was in the cults ministry trained young people to do evangelism to those in the kingdom of the cults his name was Steve and Steve invited me one day he said would you like to go downtown and, and let's witness to the Jehovah Witnesses who are down there and I said, sure, I'll join you. And he goes, well, let, let me give you some training first. I said, I don't need training. I'm a Bible major, man. I know this stuff. John 1.1, 1, 1, John 3.16. I know a little bit of Greek. Take me down there, man. Bring him on. Bring him on. So I went down there and uh, went up to the first Jehovah Witness. And I began to wax eloquent about how Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God and that how they have a false gospel and a false translation. And he said, would you turn to John 14, 28? I said, sure, I'll turn to John 14, 28. He said, would you read that for me? I said, you've heard me say that I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And he looked at me and said, how can Jesus be God if the Father's greater than him? And I went, um, well, uh, and he said, turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I said, sure. It says here, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He looked at me and said, how can Jesus be God if he's the firstborn? What's it mean to be firstborn? It means to be the first one created. Now, uh, and, and he looked at me and said, you better study your Bible. And he walked off. And he had me completely stunned. And I was just sitting there in absolute silence. And then Steve came over. And uh, we got in the car, and we were driving home, and I was uh, silent all the way home. And he was just kind of laughing, you know. And he looked over at me, and he said, well, Pat, you ready to learn the Bible now? And I said, oh, yes, I'm ready to go. The group we're talking about tonight, Jehovah Witnesses, is probably the best trained of all the groups in the kingdom of the cults. So if you can witness to a Jehovah Witness, you can witness to Mormons, whoever. You can witness to anyone in the kingdom of the cults. This is probably the best trained group. Now, one of the blessings of the kingdom of the cults is this. It motivates us to study our Bible. You know, when you got someone using the Bible to uphold their false doctrine, all the more you got to be able, okay, not only to study the word and know the word, but to able, be able to understand it so you can articulate it 
and defend it. Tonight, you'll get a taste uh, of Jehovah Witness doctrine, but also I hope you'll get to see how studying the kingdom of the cults can really equip you to really know uh, the Word of God and basic Christian doctrine. Before we begin, let me once again give the plug for uh, Probe Ministries, probe.org. It's the ministry I work for based in Dallas. Probe.org, over a thousand articles on most of the cults that you will find. Numerous PowerPoint presentations that you can download and use for your research or in your presentations. Probe has two-minute radio spots that play on about 400 stations and numerous other resources there. And also, evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is the radio show that I host. It's on here at K-Lite uh, at 12 noon on Saturdays and then at 10 p.m. again. And the website's evidenceandanswers.org. Over 100 interviews with top Christian scholars, some of the debates that we have done, seminars, messages, articles, a whole host of resources. There are things we'll be going over tonight. You can get at probe.org and at evidenceandanswers.org. Remember Christ's warning as Darrell preached this morning in Matthew chapter 7. As we get closer to the return of our Lord, there is going to be a rise in false prophets and false teachings. There's going to be an increase. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, Watch out for false prophets, for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. What did he mean by fruit? Well, not only did he mean lifestyle, but he also meant the fruit of their teachings, their doctrine. He said, you will recognize them. What is the biblical response to the kingdom of the cults? Well, as Christians, we're not called to retreat. Uh, my mentor, Dr. Geisler, always said, error runs from truth, but truth never runs from error. So the people with the truth don't run away when it comes to confronting and challenging error. What is our response to be? Well, in Acts chapter 20, as Paul is giving his final exhortation to the leaders in Ephesus there, he says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. For I know that after I leave, Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. Remember that for three years I have never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. Paul's exhortation to the leaders at the church of Ephesus was keep guard of your flock, defend your flock. And that not only goes to the leaders of the church, but also to mothers and fathers. It's a call to guard and defend your family from the false teachings of the culture that is out there. We're not called to run from the ideas and try to isolate and shelter ourselves, but to engage those ideas. And as Paul says, bring, bring everything under the obedience of Christ. Jude verse 3. You know, one thing when you read the New Testament over half the New Testament is an apologetic defense. First John, first uh, and Second John, he's writing as a defense against Gnostic teaching, which is coming over the horizon. Matthew, it's an apologetic, convincing Jews, Christ is indeed your Messiah. 
Galatians, he's preaching on the, against the Galatian heresy there. Colossians, he's preaching against the Colossian heresy. Jude and Second Peter, those whole books are against false teachings. Over half the New Testament is an apologetic defense against some kind of false teaching. And in Jude, verse 3, Jude, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, given a defense of the faith, and this is what he calls Christians to do. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnations was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our Lord into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only Savior, only Sovereign and Lord. Here in Jude, Paul says, contend for the faith. The Greek word there is agonizomai. It's to agonize. It's used of men in combat or used of men in athletic competition. It says to agonize as you protect and guard the truth of the word of God. It's going to be a difficult task as you face the false teachers, the false teachings of the culture. And he says to agonize, to fight, to contend as you defend and teach the Word of God against the culture and false teachers who are teaching contrary to the Word of God. Paul wrote to the leaders, uh, Titus. He said, one of the things leaders must do is hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he, the elder, can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And the job of the Christian is not only to know good Bible teaching, but to be able to articulate it and defend uh, those whom he is teaching. And in a sense, we are all teachers, not not just those of you who teach here, but those of you who are leaders of your household, parents. You're called to teach your children, not only teach them the Word of God, but to defend against the false ideas of the cultures that seek to capture their hearts and minds. Let's study briefly the Jehovah Witnesses. Here's a brief history of the Jehovah Witnesses. It begins with a man named Charles Taze Russell, who at a very young age rejected the doctrine of hell and eternal punishment. If you read his early biography, he writes, If there was a, a man who grabbed a puppy by the tail and dangled him over the fire and to torture this puppy endlessly, that person would not even be considered human. How could a God do that? And so he rejected the doctrine of hell and eternal punishment. Of course, he got the wrong understanding, the wrong theology of what hell is. Uh, but that's for another study here. But after rejecting that doctrine, he went on to reject other key doctrines of the faith, especially the Trinity and the deity of Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit. After his death in 1916, Judge Joseph Rutherford took over, a bottom picture there, and it's under Judge Rutherford that this organization grew. Judge Rutherford was an educated man who wrote hundreds of pamphlets and books denouncing organized religion. But it's also Judge Rutherford who predicted that Christ would return, made those dates, 1925-1975. Following his death was Nathaniel Knorr and then Frederick France, took over, and Frederick France was the president when the famous prophecy that Christ would return in 1975. He was the president then. Of course, that did not occur. 
Uh, following him was Milton Henschel, and today the president is Don Adams. No, not the actor, Don Adams. They're in over 200 countries, over 6.5 million in membership, over 200,000 baptized each year, close to 100,000 congregations worldwide. And one of the most impressive things about this organization is nearly 1.3 billion hours preached. Every loyal Jehovah Witness is required at least... Uh, at least a minimum of 10 hours of preaching every week. Now, the Watchtower believes that it is the only organization, the only representative of God or Jehovah upon this earth. And members are to obey and not question the organization. Questioning the organization is equal to questioning God. Now, in a seminar... I do on the character of the cults. That's, this is one of the signs of a cult. All right? If you're in a church where the senior pastor says, you, you should never question me, or uh, I am the spokesman for God. You know, questioning me is like questioning God. That's a good sign you're in a cult or an abusive kind of church. Right? Members are called to loyally uh, and unquestioningly follow the teachings uh, of the organization. And Next, the Watchtower alone can interpret the Bible. Without the Watchtower, the magazines, and the books they provide, no one is able to understand the Bible. Here's some quotes from the Watchtower. In 1983, it says, Avoid independent thinking, questioning the counsel that is provided by God's visible, visible organization, the Watchtower. January 15, 1983. December 1981. Unless we are in touch with this channel of communication, the watchtower that God is using, we will not progress along the road to life, no matter how much Bible reading we do. Hey, for the believer in Christ, the Bible alone okay, is the authority. And as believers in Christ, okay, you have the ability to study and understand the Word of God yourself. Okay? And, you know, leaders here encourage you to ask questions, to ask them on issues you may not understand or even agree with. The leadership here encourages you okay, to come and ask. All right, now we're going to study some of the key doctrines here. There are six key doctrines of the Jehovah Witnesses that they're known for. There's several more, but here's some of the six that they're known for. The doctrine of God, the doctrine of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the nature of salvation, the nature of man, and the return of Christ. And we're going to go through these real briefly. First, the doctrine of God. One of the key giveaways of a cult is that they deny the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. And as we studied last week, the Trinity teaches that there is one God revealed in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Jehovah Witnesses believe that there is one God and reject the doctrine of the Trinity as heresy. Here in their landmark magazine here, Should You Believe in the Trinity? Which, by the way, I have an article on countering the point, answering the points brought up in this magazine. But this is their landmark magazine. The article I wrote is called Why You Should Believe in the Trinity. 
Okay, but on page 7 of this magazine, they state there's no evidence that any sacred writer even suspected the existence of the Trinity within the Godhead. And here in this magazine are some portrayals of the Trinity. Now, when you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness, they've got the wrong idea of the Trinity. All right? They believe that the Trinity is a three-headed man. That's what you see here. That's why for them, they, they'll ask you, who is Jesus praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane? You said Jesus is God. Who is he praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane? You know, show me anywhere in the Bible where it says Jesus is the Father. And those kind of things that get Christians all twisted up. Because a lot of Christians don't understand the doctrine of the Trinity. So they're looking for verses where it says Jesus is the Father. And of course, you're not going to find any. Jesus is God the Son. One God, one in nature, three in person. Okay, but what they think we believe is we believe in a, in a three-headed God, as you see in some of those pictures there. Or as I explained uh, a few weeks ago, the Hindu triad there. Jesus. Jehovah Witnesses reject the teaching that Jesus is the divine Son of God. Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is the first thing that God created. And before the incarnation, Jesus was actually Michael the archangel. And at his incarnation, he took on bodily form and became Jesus. And after his resurrection and ascension, he returned once again as Michael the archangel. In their uh, standard book here, You Can Live Forever in Paradise, page 39, says, Well, did Jesus ever say that he was God? No, he never did. Clearly, Jesus is not the almighty God. And here, John 1.1, 1, 1, in their famous translations, which, by the way, I'm holding up here, okay? John 1.1, 1, 1, as you know, has been altered in their text slightly. It says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, small g. And here are three other proof texts that they use. Anywhere you go in the world, these are the same three you're going to run into. Okay, if you answer these three, they're pretty much finished, okay? Now, I run into a lot of Christians who say, man, these Jehovah Witnesses, man, they know the whole New Testament. They were just quoting me the entire New Testament. All the scriptures, man, they're throwing in. I said, well, they've only got three. No, that can't be. Well, how many do you know? Well, John 3.16, you know, the Great Commission. Uh, oh, man, you know, that's, that's kind of how we are, okay? Uh, my mentor always said, you know, the, the growth of the cults are the unpaid bills of the church. Where there is weak Bible teaching and weak uh, churches that don't teach good, solid theology, the growth of the cults will just proliferate in that area. All right? John fourteen twenty eight, Jesus said, The Father is greater than I. How can Jesus be God? When he said, the Father is greater than I. He's inferior to God. He just said it there. John 14, 28. Look at it in your own Bible. It says. Hey, Colossians 1, 15. Uh, he is the firstborn of creation. What's firstborn mean? Oh, it means first one born, right? Yeah, see? He is the first one created. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this. Now, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. 
and the head of woman is the man, and the head of and the head of Christ is God. How can Jesus be God? The head of Christ is God. It says it right there, First Corinthians eleven verse three. Right. So those are some of the verses that they use to support their position. In fact, that's pretty much all the verses that they have to support their particular position. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a force, and like electricity or fire, he is not a person. Once again, from You Can Live Forever in Paradise, page 40. As for the Holy Spirit, the so-called third person of the Trinity, we, see, we have seen that this is not a person, but God's active force. What about salvation? Salvation for the Jehovah Witnesses comes from obeying and serving the organization. The death of Christ gives you a chance for salvation. It right? gives you a chance. But after receiving Christ, then the death of Christ takes a side seat. And everything else now focuses on the organization. And the organization becomes the centerpiece of your salvation. Unlike those of us uh, in Bible-believing churches, Christ is our centerpiece. The death and resurrection of Christ remains the centerpiece in all our teaching and preaching. Right? But in the kingdom of the cults, usually the death of Christ gets you in the door. And after that, the death of Christ takes a side seat. And from there on, it's the organization. Once again, from you can live forever in paradise. But in what special way does God expect loyal support be given? Like Jesus and his earlier followers, they must be loyal spokesmen and proclaimers of the kingdom of God. Jehovah Witnesses and man. Man is a physical being only. He does not have an eternal soul. Once you die, that is it. Right? You don't go to heaven and you don't go to hell. Okay? That's it. Now when Christ returns... He will recreate you like cloning. You know, he's got your DNA. He'll recreate you again. But when you die, that's it. There's no heaven. There's no hell. The only people going to heaven are the 144,000, as mentioned in the book of Revelation. Who are the 144,000 according to Jehovah Witnesses? Well, those are Jehovah Witnesses who are part of the organization since 1914. Right? That generation is part of the 144,000. Other than that, the rest of us, rest of those in the organization will not be going to heaven or to hell. Once you die, that is it. There is no soul or spirit that goes to heaven or goes to hell. Right? Where do they get this from? Well, they've got a few passages. Uh, for example, Psalm 146, uh, verse 3 and 4. Do not put your trust in princes in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that day, their plans perish or come to nothing. See, their plans come to nothing. There is no judgment. There is no heaven. There is no hell. Once you die, that is it. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. I thought the dead are in heaven, worshiping God. It says right here, the dead know nothing. See? There's no heaven. There's no hell. And once you die, that is it. We just wait for the return of Christ who will recreate our bodies. So that's some of the verses that they use to support their position here. Their eschatology or their 
end times theology. What's going to happen at the end of the age? Well, remember, Jehovah's Witnesses made several predictions, embarrassing predictions that did not come to pass. One of the predictions they made is that Christ will return to uh, destroy the kingdoms of the world and establish his kingdom in 1914. In 1889, they said this, The battle of the great day of God Almighty, Revelation 16:14, which will end in A.D. 1914 with the complete overthrow of Earth's present rulership, is already commenced. All right? So they predicted that Christ would return in 1914, 1925, 1975. Well, in 1914, of course, Christ did not come back. And so they changed that doctrine. They said, well, his return was invisible. And he came to earth invisibly, and he saw that all churches were apostate. And so he went to heaven. That's where the great battle occurred between God and Satan. And God threw Satan to the earth because what happened in 1914? World War I. He said, ah, see, Satan was thrown to the earth. God established his kingdom rule and his organization here upon the earth the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, there is so much more that Pat can say about the Jehovah's Witnesses, but we are out of time today. So we'll pick it up right there next time as we analyze this religious movement. Lots of topics like these are at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. We want to encourage you to go to our website often, download all the information there, past shows, Pat's books and articles, interviews with leading experts, and a full analysis of spirituality and culture. You'll find the topics fascinating, you'll equip yourself, and you'll help us stay on the air. If you believe in a radio program that intelligently presents the claims of Christ and analyzes issues of faith and culture, then support us. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org, click on the donate button, and anytime that you purchase our resources, you help us stay on the air. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and we so look forward to hearing from you. We'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers.